Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. I come to God as I am, but through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet, in Jesus' name. Remain standing. I want to go, I want to go to one passage of Scripture. I want you to go to Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16. We stand just to honor God's Word. Anything that you stand for, it means you honor. All right. So if you were to go into court, you'd stand for the judge because you honor the judge. If the president was to walk in, you'd stand for the president because you honor the president. So when we read God's word, we stand to honor it. All right. Mark chapter 16. Somebody say this is Easter. Now, now, now y'all sound like an army now. I can work with that. Somebody say this is Easter. Now, now watch this. Mark chapter 16, uh, verse number one. Now, this is the Easter story, but there's only one part of the story that I really want to focus in on, but I want to just get the whole story so you get it, all right? Mark 16, verse one. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, that's Saturday, Mary Magdalene, now Mary Magdalene, because you don't know her story, Mary had a past. Mary had been involved with a lot. Mary, uh, let's just say, there was something about Mary. Touch your neighbor and say there was something about her. In fact, in fact, her story was so messed up, the Bible says that, that she had a lot of demons that were in her. The significance of it is that Mary was somebody that other people thought God could never love. Other people thought that God could never use. But what I love about our Jesus is that he'll take the ones you think can't be used. He'll take the people that everybody else threw away. Do I have any witnesses in here? So if you feel like you're not good enough for God, I'm going to tell you you're exactly what he wants. If you, if you think you got too many issues, look at who's there. Look at who's there. Mary Magdalene, the one with all the issues. And Magdalene's not her last name. She was just from this place called Magdala, which was the city or the region she was from. Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come to anoint him very early in the morning. Verse 2, on the first day of the week, said so that Sunday morning. They came to the tomb where, uh, when the sun had risen, and they said amongst themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Now check this out. On this day of resurrection, what they thought was going to be difficult for them was actually done for them. 
There's some stuff in your life right now, let me prophesy to you, that you think is going to be difficult for you. That before this day is out, it's going to be done for you. Verse 5, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Watch this. He is risen. He's not here. Watch this. It's some situations in life where the last time people saw you, you were laid out. The last time they saw you, you were depressed. The last time they saw you, you were discouraged. But I dare you to touch your neighbor and say, I'm not there anymore. They said, he is risen. Somebody say your name. Say, I am risen. Say, I'm not there anymore. If you've been in depression, today was the last day for that. If you've been in discouragement, today was the last day for that. If you've been messed up, today was the last day for that. Verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. Now here's the trip. Somebody say, what's the trip, Bishop? Wasn't Peter one of the disciples? So why in the world would he have to make a differentiation between the disciples and Peter? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going to go before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Verse number eight, watch this. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Look at verse seven one more time. Jesus is risen just like he said he would. And the only people that are there, watch this, are seemingly the people that got the least influenced by Jesus. And he says, listen, I need y'all to go get Jesus' disciples, but there's one of them that's made so many mistakes and failed so badly, he's disqualified himself. So go get his disciples and Peter. Would you touch your name and say you're an and Peter? Peter, you walked away because you felt like you messed up so bad, felt like you did so much wrong. Go tell his disciples and Peter, say your name. Today on this Easter Sunday, Jesus came to get and say your name. I don't care what you've been in. I don't care what you've been dealing with. I don't care what you've been facing. Jesus came to get and say your name. Father, customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people, that we would move and walk in what you have ordained. And this year, that is that it would be our banner year. That means our best year yet, marked by significant accomplishment and achievement. We thank you that we are evolving. That means we're getting better. We're getting wiser. We're getting smarter. And on this Easter Sunday, on this Resurrection Sunday, we pray, Father, that you would resurrect us, that you would uh, reclaim us, that you would redeem us in a fresh way. I pray that this wouldn't just be another Easter story, but I pray that this would be a day of transformation matter of fact i declare that this would be a day of evolution that is to go from an inferior place to a superior place that is to go from zero to ten that's to go from the bottom to the top it is evolution time and we thank you for it in jesus name somebody shout hallelujah as you take your seats high five two or three people ask him this question say why did he die why did he die why why did he die why did he die uh, I teach in series at Harvest, and we are in a series called Superheroes. I teach in series so that we can actually get results. I don't know about you, but I'm not into the ritual of church. I'm into the results of church. Bishop Foreman, what's the difference? So you can do a ritual but never get any results. And so as your pastor, I don't preach just to go through a ritualistic uh, a behavior or ritualistic tradition. I do it so that you can see results in your life. And I think there's some harvesters in here that can testify you're getting some results in your life. So I teach in series, I preach in series, so we focus on one thing for a prolonged period of time. So we're in this series, superheroes. Say superheroes. superheroes. 
in this series, we're unlocking our divinity because the Bible says that as he is, so are we in the world. And when we understand how he is and what he does, we'll understand and see how we should be and what we should do. And today, we celebrate the ultimate superhero of all time. He makes Superman look like no man. He makes Batman look like a small man. He looks, somebody say, he is the greatest. Yeah, he makes Muhammad Ali look like he didn't know what in the world he was doing. Somebody say, he is the greatest. His name is Jesus. And I know you might be on this Easter Sunday expecting a traditional Easter message, but the truth is I don't do traditional well. The truth is, is we don't stay in boxes. In fact, one of our core values says we don't believe that there is a box. The problem I have with the traditional approach to Easter, watch this, is that it's limited to an event. So then Easter becomes an event that makes us feel good, but it doesn't compel us to change because its impact isn't real in our everyday lives. And that's why 90% of people that become Christians fall away in two years or less and far too many of us know the story of Calvary but don't live in victory because after Easter we go right back to the same old way of life not realizing we've not been saved from something we've been saved for something See, salvation isn't the end. I'm here to tell you it's the beginning of a new lifestyle. But if you don't understand the why behind the what, we'll never fully appreciate the who. So I want to answer this question, why did he die? Well, say, why did he die? Here's the first reason, to undo what Adam did. At Harvest, we don't honor things like Lent, nor Ash Wednesday, nor Good Friday because uh, Jesus wasn't crucified on a Friday. Matthew 12, 40 says he spent three days and three nights in hell, uh, which, well, says three days and three nights ain't Friday to Saturday. We don't celebrate that or, or Lent because those things aren't biblical. Instead, at Harvest, we honor the feast because those are biblical. And Jesus himself honored the Hebrew feast or the biblical feast, and that's because God, nor the Bible, is based off of the Gregorian calendar that we use that goes from January to December. Instead, it's based off of the Hebrew calendar, which has four different beginnings depending on purpose. This concept is significant because it shows us God is constantly creating new beginnings by design. I'm going to say it again. It's constantly, God is constantly creating new beginnings by design, which means I don't care what life was like for you last night. Today is a new beginning by design. I don't care how you failed yesterday. That was then. This is now. There's a new beginning by design. And I don't know about you, but I think there's some of us that say, Bishop, there's some areas in my life I need a new beginning. There's some areas in my life I need a fresh start. There's some areas in my life I need a reset. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up and say, I need a new beginning? Yeah, maybe your marriage needs a new beginning. Maybe your relationship with your children needs a new beginning. Maybe your relationship with God needs a new beginning. Maybe your relationship with yourself needs a new beginning. Have you ever discovered that sometimes the greatest person to deal with is you? I feel like preaching at this 11:15. Have you ever had uh, been okay with other people but had issues with yourself? So much so that you didn't even stand to be by yourself. So every time, some talking to somebody in the overflow, in the vestibule, uh, that sometimes you didn't even want to be around yourself because every time you were with yourself, you got sick of yourself. Sometimes you need to have a new beginning with you. And if that's you, I just need you to throw your hand up and say, this is my day. This is my day. Yeah, I'm here to announce to you, your life will never, ever be the same after this day. Because it's evolution time in your life and it starts today. Somebody holler, it's a new beginning. So God is consecrating new beginnings by design. God knows that we all get frustrated sometimes. He knows that we all get mad sometimes. He knows that we all get uh, stuck sometimes. He knows that we all get, watch this, constipated sometimes where you just can't seem to pass nothing. 
You ever been in, a, been in a cycle of your life where it's like every day it's just the same old drama after drama, same old mess after mess, same old cycle after cycle. Well, I came to tell somebody today that was yesterday, but today you got yourself a new beginning. You stepped up into the right place today because you're not leaving this place the same way that you came. If you believe that, holla, I won't leave the same. So the biblical feasts or the Hebrew feasts, here's what it is. They are appointed times when heaven invades earth and they're called holy convocations or gatherings between God and men in which we corporately gather that God sets. So your prayer, praise and worship sets a meeting with heaven, but the feast is when heaven sets a meeting with you. And today, in case you didn't know, it isn't just Easter. Today is a feast day. It is called the day of first fruits. Say the day of first fruits. Now, that's important for you to understand because there are seven major Hebrew feasts or biblical feasts, and seven is the biblical number of completion or the word peace, which is the Hebrew word, the language of our Old Testament, shalom. Now, that word shalom doesn't just mean peace. It means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. Say nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. So watch this. That means when we honor the feast, we're actually welcoming shalom. See, the reason there's seven major feasts is because when we honor the feast, we're welcoming shalom into our lives, which means you don't have to have lack. You don't have to have things missing. You don't have to have things broken. In fact, everything concerning you will be well. Say, I choose shalom. That's why 1 Samuel 2.30 says, for those that honor me, I will honor, and those that despise me will be lightly esteemed, which means when we honor the feast, when we honor what's important to God, God says he's going to make sure that we are honored. Check it out. God says, if you'll make what's important to me, I'll make you important to heaven. I'm going to say it again. When you make what's important to me, God says, I'm going to make that important to heaven. So when we honor the feast today, you're doing more than just coming to church on Easter. Today, you're actually honoring a feast. And as you honor this feast, you are welcoming shalom into your life. I need you to just shake your neighbor's arm and say, I'm welcoming shalom. See, watch this. Sometimes you get so used to being jacked up, so used to being messed up, so used to dysfunction that the thought that things could get better actually seems offensive to you. Well, I came to tell you right here, right now, this is the lowest you ever going to be for the rest of your life. I dare you to just say, look at me now, because this is the brokest I'll ever be. This is the most sick I'll ever be. This is the lowest place I'll ever be in my life. There are three fall feasts. Uh, they are Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And there are four spring feasts, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, which is today, and the Feast of Shavuot. And they all represent, watch this, sudden, say sudden, sudden. Fast, forward, fast forward, movement. Forward. Say it again, say sudden, sudden. Fast, forward, fast forward, movement. Uh, which means God says when you honor this feast, there are some things that are going to happen for you just like that. See, watch this. You were at the back of the line, but when you honor the feast just like that, now all of a sudden you're at the front of the line. You were the tail, but when you honor what's important to God just like that, you now become the head. See, I'm here to tell you, you thought it was going to take five months. Baby, that's going to be done by the time you get home. You thought that it was going to take years, but God says when you honor what's important to me, I'm going to make sure that heaven honors you. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Check this out. Today, we honor what is called the Feast of First Fruits, a.k.a. Easter, also known as Jesus' resurrection. Now, Jesus was crucified in this place called Golgotha. Say Golgotha. Golgotha. 
It means the place of Adam's skull. It was also referred to as Calvary. But now watch this. Why was Jesus crucified on this particular place? Everything that God does, he does by design. God is too wise to be accidental. God is too, uh, God is too omniscient for him to do things that don't make sense. That's why everything in the Bible was accorded for great significance. See, you might look at a genealogy and say, why in the world did we see the genealogy? Well, he showed you the genealogy so that you can see the significance of who it is that God uses to get things done. See, you see the genealogy of Jesus and you'll notice that there's a woman in there that everybody else thought wasn't qualified to be in there. Her name was Rahab. And they said Rahab ain't good enough because she's the town madam. Uh, and so Rahab, uh, you know, Rahab got too many issues. Rahab has too many problems. She couldn't possibly be used by God. So it gives us a genealogy so that when we look at the genealogy of Jesus, we'll see that even Jesus didn't come from a perfect bloodline. That even Jesus didn't come from a, a history of folk that did everything right. But when he was born, the interruption to the dysfunction in his bloodline was born. When he was born, the curse breaker was born. And when you were born, the same thing happened. Touch your neighbor say, I'm a curse breaker. Now check this out, check this out. So he's crucified on Calvary or Golgotha, which is the same place as Adam's skull, so that he could undo everything that Adam did. Say undo what Adam did. Now, now watch this. I need you to understand this because watch this. Adam in the garden, in the garden of Eden, and Eden in the Hebrew language of our Old Testament means the land of voluptuous living. Jesus didn't die to get you out of hell for you to live in hell. I'm going to say it again. He did not die to get you out of hell so you can live in hell. And if you grew up in church, that's maybe with the mindset you grew up with, that you're just supposed to get saved and then just live in hell until you can die and go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us not heaven is a place to live. It teaches us the kingdom of heaven, which is a lifestyle, which means I'm not dying to get over there. I'm living well to bring heaven down to earth. Now, 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 check this out. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus has to be crucified on Golgotha or Calvary of the place of Adam's skull so he could undo what Adam did by becoming a new first fruit. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. But each one uh, in his own order, Christ the, what's that? Uh, come on, put the verse up. Christ the first fruit. Say, what is he? What is he? Afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. Check it out. The principle of first fruit says this, that whatever the first is, so goes the rest. Say it again. Whatever the first is, so goes the rest. So that means, watch this. Think of an apple tree. The first apple would be the first. Principle of first fruit says, whatever it is, so are the rest. So watch this. If the first is blessed, so are the If the first can come up out of every negative circumstance, so can the do you know the reason they call him Jesus of Nazareth in the Bible? They call him that so that you know where he came from. But you need to understand Nazareth actually means from a bowl. Watch this. A bowl is worse than a valley. That's why they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, Jesus was born in a place where nothing good ever came out of until he was born. Maybe you were born in a family and you say, ain't nothing good ever come until you were born. Maybe you were born in a city where nothing great ever happens until you were born. That, that is the reason why you've never been able, watch this, uh, to hang out with other chickens because you're an eagle. And when you're an eagle, you got to learn how to fly by yourself. You can't hang out with folk that are down here. You can't change them as long as you're around and like them. Well, watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. So, so principle of the first fruit says, whatever the first is, so are the rest. Now, watch this. Jesus, he needed to undo what Adam did, and he did that by shedding his blood. When he shed his blood, blood is an instrument of redemption. To redeem something means to pay for it, because blood is the greatest price that can be paid by anything that is living. So every place Jesus shed his blood, he was buying something and undoing something Adam did. Say so he was buying and undoing. Say buying and undoing. 
So as the first fruits, whatever the first is, so is the So the reason we needed to see Jesus get up after being betrayed, after being hurt, after being lied on, after being beat up, bruised, scorned, all of that, is so that when you look at him, you'll say, well, if that's my first fruit, then I can come up out of what I'm dealing with too. If my first fruit can handle betrayal, I can handle betrayal. If my first fruit can uh, take a licking and keep on ticking, I can do it too. Whatever I see Jesus do, I can do that. And not just that. The Bible says I'm supposed to do greater. So, 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 so watch this, watch this. He shed his blood in several places. I won't get into it. I've told on it before. He shed his blood. Watch this. When he was a child, he was circumcised, which is a sign of the covenant. Uh, watch this. It's a sign of a fresh agreement, a new start. Then he shed his blood. Uh, watch this, John, uh, or Luke 22, 41 through 44, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means a place of pressing. It is the place, watch this, where the uh, olives were pressed to extract the oil. Olives by themselves are cheap, but when you crush them, now you get olive oil, which is expensive. Watch this. I need you to know what's been crushing you has been what's increasing your value. What's been weighing down on you is what's been increasing your value. The thing that you said is going to make you lose your mind is the thing that's going to make you move in what God has ordained. So he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, a place of crushing. But simultaneously, Gethsemane means a place of blessing. So the same place that's pressing him is the same place that's blessing him. Which means there's somebody in here, you ought to take a 10-second praise break. Watch this. Because you've been complaining about what's pressing you. Well, you should be celebrating what's pressing you. Because what it is, it is the thing that is blessing you. I dare somebody to take a 10-second praise break about what's been pressing you and celebrate it because it's really what's blessing you. Yeah, thank God that they dropped you. Thank God that they left you. Thank God that they betrayed you. Because what's pressing you is really what's blessing you. So, what's this, what's this? But he sheds his blood there. Why does he shed his blood in a garden? Because, watch this, where did Adam give up power? In a garden. So what does Jesus have to do? Shed his blood to undo what Adam did. Then he says, uh, he takes the crown of, of thorns. When he takes the crown of thorns, he's making us kings again. Then they give him 39 stripes at the whipping post. That's for our physical and our emotional health. Then they pierce his hands, which means whatever we touch should prosper. Then they pierce his feet, which means wherever we walk, we should prosper. Then they pierce his side, which is internal bleeding or issues of the heart, which means every area we need healing, he paid for 2,000 years ago. Which means there's no area of your life where you can say God's got this, but he doesn't have that. And matter of fact, it's somebody under the sound of my voice. Your real issue with God is there are certain areas you trust him, but there are certain areas you don't because you don't think he's going to handle it. I wish there were some real folk in the church today. You know, there was some areas you're like, God, you got that. But there's other areas you hold on to and you keep control of because you think to yourself, God, I need to handle this. I need to keep my eyes on this. Watch this because I'm so sick of being disappointed. I'm so sick of being let down. I'm so sick of getting my hopes up to only have my hopes let down. But I came to announce to somebody that was then and this is now because this is a feast day, which means it's a new beginning, which means it's a reset, which means it is a fresh start. So first, he had to undo what Adam did. Number two, say, why did he die, Bishop? Why did he die? To have somebody to look at. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus. Holler, look at him. No, that was real nice if I said, say it loud, but I said, holler. Holler, look at him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So the Bible says, watch this. There's going to be some times where you're going through some pain. You're going through some trouble. You're going through some emotional issues. You're going through some drama. And you're going to need somebody to look at so that you watch this. Don't sit there and just look at you. 
You know why your circumstance seems so overwhelming? It's because rather than looking at Jesus, you start looking at you. And when you start focusing on you, all of a sudden you got the worst marriage ever. You got the worst kids ever. You got the worst finances ever. And you'll make a small thing a big thing because you're looking in the wrong direction. The book said, looking unto Jesus. Touch your neighbor and say, look at him. Now imagine the pain and the agony of knowing that the people that you just helped the most are now hurting you the greatest because he's carrying this cross and the same people he just healed will look at him and say, ooh-wee. You ever had folk devil with you when you was on top? But when you wasn't on top, they was just kind of looking? Okay, y'all don't want to be real until 1115. You ever had folk that, watch this, they were your ride or dies until it was time to die? Okay, where are the real people at? I, I, I can't stand disloyal people. I don't know about you, but a man wrote a song saying some folk just ain't loyal the way that they used to be. I can't stand folk that are with me when I'm on top, but can't be with me when I'm going through my valley. If you can't suffer with me, then I don't want you reigning with me. Jesus, Jesus deals with disloyalty because here Jesus is, and he's dealing with this disloyalty because he's got this cross, and all these guys, these, those 12 guys, those 12 apostles that were with him, Apostello in the Greek, the sent ones, they were full time for Jesus. And here Jesus is in his worst moment. He's carrying his cross, and they just looking. I sure is a shame. Ooh, I wonder if he did what they said. Ooh, that's a mess. Ooh, child. Yeah, I don't know how folk do. They call you all the time until they hear a little rumor about you. Then once they hear a little rumor about you, all of a sudden, oh, I've just been so busy. That's funny because you wasn't busy at all last week. Or the week before that, 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 or ever. Here he is. He's carrying the cross. And the Bible says he endures it because he's beaten by people. And all it takes is one word from him to turn around and say, please. Depending on what Sunday this is, we may have put a noun in front of the word, please. See, at Harvest, listen, touch your neighbor, so you got to be real here. If you're looking for a fake pastor and a fake church full of fake people that sit up and act like everything is together, this ain't the place. But if you want a real place where you can be real, touch your neighbor, say, you found what you're looking for. Let's just be honest. There's some tongues we occasionally use that don't need interpretation. Ain't a man. Uh, in case y'all wonder, what in the world is church saying? Ain't a man. Uh, it's a southern saying. I say I'm from Memphis, and so in Memphis we have this saying. So like when you would say, I'm just gonna teach you this. So when you go to when you go to eat after church, you'll you'll be able to sound like a good southerner. All right. So so. When you go to eat after church and, the, and, you, and you talk about church, I'm like, man, church, church was good today. And then instead of saying, it sure was, you can act like you're a southern and say, ain't it, man? But somebody said, you so are blessed, ain't it, man? Somebody said, you so are doing well, ain't it, man? But somebody said, things are really getting better for you, ain't it, man? All right, that's your southern colloquialism lesson for the day. Watch this. Looking unto Jesus, look at him. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, God doesn't have a problem giving us a reward so long as we can pay the price. Because the Bible says joy was set before him, but to get to joy, he had to endure the cross first. Here's what our culture says. I want the joy now. No cross. But that's not how this works. In fact, that's not how any of this works. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, which means, watch this, when you're going through stuff, when you're going through challenges, the Bible says, just look at him. Look at how he handled it. He didn't cuss nobody out. 
Amen. Amen. Now, let's just be honest. Some of us, now let's be super honest, 1115. Some of us, we fail that test. Well, come on, where, where are the honest people at? And if you didn't say it to them, you sure said it in the car while you was driving up there. See, church folk could get healed from stuff if they be real about stuff. You don't have to be two different people. Church folk have learned how to be two different people. One in here, hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. And then get in the car and, you know. Touch the say, just be real. Jesus carries this cross, and he could at any moment say, you know what, drop dead and die. He could at any moment, he could have said, I'm not paying this price. Paying this price for these people, they're ungrateful. They didn't even tell me thank you. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I don't mind doing for people, but I at least want to hear thank you. Gracias. Jesus is carrying his cross, and he's enduring the cross. And the Bible says, watch this, and he despised the shame. You know what? Sometimes when we go through things, it's not even what we go through. It's the shame of other people seeing us when we're weak. See, Superman is nothing more than Clark Kent in a different outfit. And the reality is sometimes we deal with shame. Sometimes we deal with grief. Sometimes we deal with, oh, my God, I didn't got up and told all these people how I just got this new car. And, oh, my God, I got a call that the loan is not approved. It's quiet in the church. I just told people that I just met my soulmate. Ooh, we, and this is already over. And so then watch this. You'll try to keep it together just so that you don't have to be ashamed in front of folk. He despised the shame, which means wherever you've got shame in your life, watch this, you don't have to keep that shame. Watch this, we've all made mistakes, we've all failed, we've all done things that we shouldn't have done, that was then, this is now, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been dealing with shame, I came to break that off of your life today. You have no reason to be in shame, you have no reason to be in guilt, because 2,000 years ago, he died to pay the price for that. Say, why did he die, Bishop? We needed somebody to look at. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus. Sometimes when you're going through things, you just need to be able to look at somebody and say, how'd they handle it? How'd they deal with it? How do they deal with pressure? How do they deal with pain? You know what people say? Experience is the best teacher. That's not true. The best teacher is somebody else's experience that I can learn from. Which means the best thing I can do is just look at Jesus and learn from his experience and learn how to handle things. And you know what? He handled it like a champ. I came to tell somebody, you've been thinking you haven't been handling it well, but I came to tell you, God wants you to know you have been handling it well. You've been handling it like a champ. Touch your neighbor and say, you've been handling it like a champ. You handle that betrayal like a champ. You handle that letdown like a champ. You handle that failed financial situation like a champ. You touch your neighbor and say, you're handling it like a champ. Third thing he died for. See, why did he die, Bishop? To get the Ann Peters. To get the Ann Peters. Say the Ann Peters. Well, watch this now. Uh, now, replace Ann Peter with your name. And your name. And your name. Now, Mark 16, 7. Check this out. It, 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 it's these two words are perhaps the most interesting placement of two words ever placed in the Bible. It says, but go tell his disciples. Say your name. That he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Now, here's what's significant about this. Here's what I need you to get. If Peter was one of the disciples, why in the world did the angel have to make the distinction to go get Peter too? 
Why didn't he just say, go get the disciples? Okay, watch this. Watch this. Stay with me, church. Stay with me, church. We've all had our and Peter moments. Peter got up and made all these great declarations to Jesus. It's amazing when you see Jesus in action because Peter, throughout uh, the history we have of him in Scripture, Peter goes from different names. He's named different things. Simon, Simon Peter, Peter, Cephas, all these different names. One of them, to one extreme, means shaky and shifty. To the other extreme, it means solid as a rock, which means Peter's problem was Peter never knew how to be consistent. On Sunday, Peter was on top of the world. By Monday, Peter was down in the dumps. Have you ever had areas of your life where you know, you can be honest, you've had some struggles with consistency? Okay, all right. Thank you for the five honest folk at church. Here's the deal. So Peter would make all these bold statements to Jesus. He tells Jesus one day, he says, Jesus, Jesus is saying he's going to die and he's going to be betrayed and all that. And Peter gets up and says, Jesus, that's never going to happen. He says, I won't let it happen. He said, matter of fact, Jesus, I'll never leave you and I'll never betray you. I ain't going nowhere. You ever had people in your life that made big, bold statements of resolution and they were resolute but not absolute because what they said hadn't been tested? They told you, I'm never leaving you. Two weeks later, this just ain't working out. I just can't do this. You ever had friends say, you know, you my BFF. We still got folk coming into the experience. Let's welcome those in the student center and all the overflows. All of our overflows are full today. Let's thank Jesus for it. I just want them to know they're important too. I just want them to know they're important too. Uh, watch this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus deals with this guy, Peter. Now, I need you to consider Peter's background. Peter comes from these power-hungry guys that had never accomplished anything, and they were rejected by the system. So can I just teach you for a moment like I want to teach you? I'm almost done. So, so the 12 that Jesus picks initially, they are called disciples, but they're really apostles because they were set aside to lead the rest of the apostles, the rest of the uh, disciples of Jesus. And so in all of that, these 12 had been rejected by the religious system. They were thrown away, watch this, by the church. And so now when Jesus finds them, he says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Yoke means my approach to teaching, my approach to life. Jesus says, take that uh, upon you. And he says, you come follow me. Well, those are the words that these young Hebrew boys had wanted to hear their whole life. See, their whole life, they struggled to be accepted. Their whole life, they struggled to find where they fit. Their whole life, they wondered, where do I belong? And let's be honest, that's what we all do. This is the reason why, if you're honest, there's some circles you're in that you're only in because you like the acceptance, not the actions. In fact, matter of fact, you have to talk yourself into going around them. You have to talk yourself into interacting with them because you know it's beneath the level of life that you are. And it's not that you're trying to look down or be judgmental. You've just graduated beyond some stuff. There's some stuff. They're planning for the weekend. You're planning for the next five years. They, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do about this. And you're saying, well, there's more to life than just drinking and paying bills and having babies and dying. There's got to be more than this. There's certain, there's certain circles in life that you just graduate from. There's certain people that you just graduate from. So watch this. All of these guys have been rejected, so they all deal with rejection. So now, while they're serving Jesus and around Jesus, they're all fighting to figure out, well, who's most important to him? Because they all have been rejected. Whenever you're struggling with rejection, you're always trying to fight for your position. 
You're always trying to fight for your placement. You're always trying to fight to prove where you belong. Well, let me help you understand something. When you step into harvest today, I'm going to tell you, you found a place. Well, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. This is a place where you fit, where you won't be thrown away, where you won't be beat down, where you won't be judged. Touch your neighbor and say, I found where I fit. I found. But they had been thrown away by the religious system. So here they is. They used to fight to say, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? Jesus, who gets to sit next to you at the meeting? They fought all the time for placement. So Peter's around power-hungry guys all the time. And he's around all these guys. Watch this. Peter starts making these bold statements. I'll never leave you, Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. And Jesus says, come here, Petey. Look, before the day's over, you're going to betray me three times. And the rooster's going to crow. Have several seats. It's sometimes you need to just set some folks straight in your life. Let me digress. And just say, look, I hear every, you talking, but you ain't saying nothing. <laughs> have several seats. Jesus tells Peter, have several seats. I ain't going nowhere, Jesus. Nowhere. No limit, Jesus. I'm about it, about it. You don't even know me, Jesus. I forget the 1115 would like that. You don't even know me, Jesus. Jesus is like, okay, Pete, have several seats. So then they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is praying. And Jesus comes out and he looks. Oh, you about it? Man, you couldn't even stay up for an hour and pray. Before you give people access, you got to test them. He says, so you bowed it, Peter? You couldn't even pray with me for an hour. Okay, I'm going to give you another shot. I'm going to give you another shot. Let's pray for one hour, 60 minutes. Okay, Pete? Got it? Okay, good. I'm going over here so you don't think I'm watching you. And I'll be back. Okay. Jesus goes off. Jesus goes to pray. And I'm sure Jesus is like, I already know this dude is sleeping. You, you, ever, you ever already knew what somebody was going to do? But she was just going through the motions to just say you tried. You know, you're like, I didn't know they're going to be late. Talking about they, they five minutes away. They ain't left the house. <laughs> Jesus comes back out. Peter, really? This is my worst moment. And you trying to take a nap. <laughs> huh, Jesus? They betray Jesus. And then Peter wants to act bold now because he's in front of people. See, rejected people like to look good in front of people. See, they won't do the work behind the scenes. They just want to show up when somebody's looking. So they're in the garden. They come to take Jesus. Peter takes the guy's sword, chops off the guy's ear. Like, what? Told you, Jesus. I fell asleep them a couple of times, but I told you. Jesus like, Peter, this ain't the time for that. He, tells, he says, put the sword away. Like, give me your ear. Tells the guy. He's like, be healed. All right. Then he's like, now take me. They take Jesus, and Peter scatters. He leaves. He goes away. Say, why, Bishop? Because he made a statement, and now he's made a mistake. He's now failed. Anybody know about failure? 
Anybody know about feeling like you just do nothing but make mistakes and every good thing that happens, you mess it up. And so you, you, you're just like, God, I don't even want to get my hopes up for life because I'm so used to life being messed up and jacked up. That's what Peter does. And so I'm closing. Watch this. So Peter now, say Peter. Peter. That same day, Peter's walking. Jesus is carrying the cross, and all of Peter's guys are kind of off to the side looking like, where Judas at, though? Because I didn't get my check last Friday. I'm just trying to make sure. Y'all know how folk do. I know Jesus going through, but I'm just trying to say, is the checks ready, though? Jesus, Judas was the treasurer. So they walk. <laughs> they walking. They just looking, God. That's a mess. That's cold-blooded. Wow. Wow, that's such a shame. What are we going to do now? I don't even know. Peter had already started making plans to go back to the boat. Peter was a fisherman. Jesus delivered him from being a fisherman. Check it out. When Peter made a mistake, check it out because I'm coming down everybody's row. When Peter made the mistake, Peter said, I'm no longer qualified to follow you, Jesus. I'm no longer good enough to follow you, Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the thing you delivered me from. He found Peter fishing. So Peter says, I made a huge mistake this time. I made a huge failure. I messed up too big. I messed up too bad. Life is not going to get better for me. I got to go back to what I've been delivered to. Let's be honest. How many times have we done the ring uh, of the uh, merry-go-round with Jesus where we make progress, we make some mistakes, we go back. We make progress, then we go back. We make progress, then we go back. Well, I came to tell somebody, today's your last day on that merry-go-round because this time you're not going back to the same stuff that you came out of. Touch your neighbor say, no more, no more, no more. Here he is. I'm done. This girl gets behind Jesus or behind Peter. And she's like, aren't you with, aren't you with, aren't you, uh, aren't you with, with Jesus? The guy, ain't you with him? Nope. Just have a familiar face. You don't know me. <laughs> Matter of fact, you don't know now. Been to places I've been. No, don't go, don't, no, no, you stop. <laughs> then the lady comes the second time. I think you were with Jesus. I think you're one of those Jesus people. Look, I told you. I don't know Jesus. And don't come at me with no more of that. And she's like, oh, so you're going to talk to me like that? Hold up. Ain't this you on Instagram with Jesus yesterday at the healing crusade? Now, I'm pretty sure this is you. This ain't you? You're like, it wasn't me. <laughs> and then the rooster crows. And the Bible says Peter goes into great grief. Such grief, he says, I can't believe I failed him so bad. I can't believe I messed up so bad. How many of us have had moments in life where we say, I can't believe I messed up. Oh, God. I can't believe I messed up with God. Can't believe I messed up with my spouse. Can't believe I messed up with my kids. I can't believe I messed up that big. It says, Mark 14, 72. It says, and he thought about it. Then he wept. And after he wept, he went back to what it was he had been delivered from. So now we understand why in the text we read in Mark 16, the angel says, go get his disciples and Peter because Peter disqualified himself. I'll ask you something. How long are you going to run from God? 
Watch this. Not because he moved away from you, but because you disqualified yourself. Bishop, I can't serve God. I can't come to church. I'm still, I'm working out some issues. You do understand. You don't uh, get yourself together to come to church. You come to church and then God's word will take you through the process of getting you together. This morning while I was doing the meet and greet in between the experiences, a couple came to me and said, we can't remember the last time we were in church on, on Easter. And they said, wow, what heathens we are. I said, no, just Ann Peters. Just like me, just like everybody in here, we've all had our Ann Peter moment. Well, we said, God, you can't use me. God, I got too much drama. God, I can't come to church. Let me, God, I, woo-wee, God, I just got too much going on. I, I can't do this right now, God. I just, I got so much going on. I got these issues over here. I got this going over here. I just got too much going on. How many times have you disqualified yourself when God has not disqualified you? That's why I'm so glad 2,000 years ago he came for some Ann Peters. Any Ann Peters in here? What have you disqualified yourself from? Bishop, I can't have peace. I've made too much hell. Devil is a lie. And his mama and them too. Bishop, I, I can't have a good life. I've messed stuff up. I've, I've done too much. Bishop, I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too black. I'm too white. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too big. I'm too small. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too that. And I'm here to tell you Jesus came to say, and what? Let the redeemed of the Lord say, so. What have you disqualified yourself from? Where today Jesus is stopping by harvest to say to you, get my disciples and say your name. You are not disqualified. Watch this. You have not made too many mistakes. You have not failed too much. You have not reached your cussing threshold Y'all know what I'm talking about. You had them days where you're like, I can't even pray today. I didn't just say, Ooh, I, I'll pray tomorrow. And say your name. He came to get the Ann Peters. And today in the auditorium on one of our digital campuses in one of the overflow areas, you're an Ann Peter. And we're not here to judge you. I'm not here to judge you because I've been an Ann Peter. You know what a trip about it? It's just a trip to be an Ann Peter but still be in church. Because you can be an Ann Peter and be here every Sunday and be here every Wednesday, but you didn't just kind of slip back. I'm just going to kind of just pull back for a moment. Come here, Ann Peter. I'm just not going to serve for a while. Come here, Ann Peter. I'm just not going to do this for a while. Come here, Ann Peter. The reality is Jesus came for the Ann Peters. What have you disqualified yourself from? Because you think you've done too much. You made too many mistakes. Stay with me. You think you, you failed too much. You think you didn't done too much. Well, that's why he died. Hey, Bishop, why did he die? To get you. Fourth point, I don't have time to get into it today. I didn't do it at the 915 either. Is he died for you so that you can live for him. The Bible says, Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. That word creation means that it's the act of bringing something new into existence. See, when you become a Christian, it's not you with the title Christian. It is a new you. It's an evolution of you. It's the next phase of you. 
it's the next dimension of you. Touch your neighbor and say, it's my evolution time. Watch this, watch this, watch this. It means, watch this, that God saves you because he thinks you are useful. Say, I'm useful. You know what makes us feel like we're not useful sometimes? Is the people that we love that don't see our use. The people that we count on that, didn't see, that don't see our use. Why did my daddy leave me? Uh, he didn't see my usefulness. Why did my mama do me like that? She didn't see my usefulness. But what I love about Jesus is he says, but I see your usefulness. And I didn't just save you from something. I saved you for something. So the fourth point, I don't have time to get into it, is that he died for us so we can live for him. So today, right where you're at, I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Wherever you're at, under the sound of my voice, Easter can't just be another event. If it's just another event, you're going to go back to the same way of life, back to the same drama, the same hell. The hell. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details.